Good morning and welcome to Airline Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia. Whether you're one of our church members that tuned in on purpose or you're just out scanning around the World Wide Web and you found us, stop. We want you to stay with us today, worship with us today. We're talking about the fact that we can choose joy in all of life's circumstances. We want the Word of God and the singing of God's praises today to help do that for you, to bring joy to your heart as you ponder who Jesus is. So we're glad you're here today. If you do us a favor and just kind of check in there online, if you're watching from somewhere in another city, you're not a part of Airline Baptist Church, just check in and let us know where you're watching from. If you have prayer requests, some things that you may like for our church family to pray for you and partner with you in prayer, we'd be honored to do that. You can do that in the public comments there, or you can message us privately. So, hey, would you pray with us before we start the service today? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift of modern technology That even in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, God, thank you that we can worship together because of this modern technology. God, I thank you for the men in the back right now that have worked so hard to help us put all of this together. Lord, we recognize today that it's all about you, and it's all for your glory today. So as we sing your praises, as we study your word, I pray that you would be pleased and folks would be encouraged. And those that don't yet know you, God, I pray today, this very day, would be the day of their salvation, and we will rejoice and give you all the glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place. a new horizon and I'm set on you and you meet me here today with mercies that are new all my fears and doubts they can all come to because they can't stay long 
No one like 
This story I have, I've shared with our church on several occasions, but it came to me last night as I was laying there, I was a little bit sleepless, and I was thinking about this thing, this time. I was on a, a mission uh, trip. We were in Jamaica doing some work after a, a hurricane many years ago, and the hurricane had wiped out one whole end of the island. We were there... Uh, just doing some really early on work. The hurricane had literally just gone through a couple of days prior. And it was at the end of the day we'd been surveying damage and deciding what needed to be done. It was late at night. We were having our meal, and we had began a uh, discipleship, just a learning time. We were sharing testimonies and singing and just having a, having a good time. Uh, had a fire going. It was, it was just a scene, you know. And from out of the bush came this old man, this old Jamaican man. He heard us reading from our Bibles and sharing testimonies, and he stood up and asked if he could share a word. And we said, man, we'd love for you to. So he got up, and in that broken Jamaican dialect, which is beautiful, began to share how that the storm had come through and destroyed Really, everything that the man had, which wasn't much to start with, destroyed his home, his livestock, all of his crops were gone. And really, he had just lost everything that he, that he had. His, his family was okay, and he was thankful for that. But after sharing all of his loss, he began to, to sing. And I'll never forget that scene my, my entire life of a man sharing of, of how much he had lost, and then sharing during, during that with us. And he began to sing this wonderful old song that says, All the way my Savior leads me. Side. 
led me all the way this my song through endless ages Jesus led me all the way hey I just want to thank you airline Baptist Church family thank you for your faithfulness to honor the Lord with his tithes and your love gifts listen we all know this is a time of great uncertainty we all have questions about the future and what that's going to be like but I just want to brag on our church family you have been so faithful with your tithes and the your the Lord's tithes and your offerings we've been able to provide for every need in fact little by little we're able to upgrade our equipment to make our broadcast better not only that but we're supporting I believe it's over 4,000 Southern Baptist missionaries around the world as well as local ministries here like the Good Samaritan ministry at our own Chattahoochee Baptist Association so you're not just writing a check you're not just just giving online uh, you're supporting lives you're supporting people you're getting the gospel across the street and around the world so thank you to those of you who are mailing in your tithes and offerings to our church address others of you are using our text to give program you can text the words airline baptist that's all together with no phrase with no space airline baptist to 77977 or you can go to our church website airlinebaptist.org and click on that giving tab some of you've made a special gift just to help us purchase some equipment to make our broadcast better we want you to have the best possible worship experience you can right there in your home or in your car or wherever you're watching so thank you you are giving you're making a difference for all of eternity. Thank you, folks. When I'm down from the fall and I feel all alone, where are you now when I call? I'm believing all the lies and I can't wipe my eyes.
dropped out of that grave I don't understand But I know you're good You move heaven and earth just to show Isn't it an understatement to say God is good? He is the epitome of good. Everything good is found in him. And when I say God is good and I pause, I want you to say wherever you're watching from, you say all the time. God is good all the time. And when I say all the time, you say what? God is good. Never forget that. In a world of uncertainty, in a world of so many questions, will we ever come to the end of this quarantine? Will we ever find a cure for this worldwide plague that we're living under? In spite of all of that, God is still good, and he is completely, completely in control. How can you have happiness? How can you have joy with so much stuff like that going on all around us? Listen, sometimes you just got to turn the news off. It seems like all the news that we hear is bad, and if you absorb yourself in that stuff all the time. I found out for me anyway, it'll drag me down. So sometimes you just got to turn that stuff off. How do you have joy in the midst of uncertainty? How do you have joy when you don't know where your next meal is going to come from? 
How do you have joy if you don't know you're going to get a paycheck the next payday when it rolls around because your company, your place of business hasn't been able to be open? If you were with us last week for part one of this brand new series, we're going through the book of Philippians. So if you've got your Bible or your electronic device, go ahead and find the book of Philippians in chapter one. This is our second message in a series we're calling Choose Joy. In the midst of all this uncertainty, you and I can still choose joy. We said last week that happiness depends on happenings and joy depends on Jesus. I'm happy when my team wins. Hey, I'd be happy if my team could just play right now, amen? Happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus. Happenings can change from time to time, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never, ever changes. Joy is that quiet, confident assurance in my heart that no matter what, there's a God in heaven who loves me. There's a God that sent his only son, Jesus, to die for me. There's a God that loved me so much, he adopted me into his family and the bible says nothing can ever separate me from the love of god my bible teaches that for the child of god the best is yet to come so that's how we can have joy when we have an eternal perspective like that this little book of philippians was written by the apostle paul to the church at philippi these are people that he had loved deeply they'd expressed their love to paul and he's writing this letter back to encourage them in troublesome times and to express his joy to them let him know he missed them he prayed for them church family your pastor i miss you i love you i pray for you i relish those times at six o'clock in the morning about a group of about 20 men meeting i'm not in the room with them but i can see them online we can interact when we do our sunday morning life group bible studies my wife and i love seeing some of you online paul's writing to the church at philippi to let them know that he loved them he missed them and they could still have joy in the midst of uncertain circumstances that word joy or rejoicing some aspect of that word appears 16 times in these four little short chapters now think about this dude paul he had faced hunger he'd faced persecution he'd been shipwrecked he'd been snake bitten and now in ad 61 when he's writing this letter ad 61 he's in jail if the dude can have joy in jail you and i can have joy in a worldwide pandemic because god's not shocked he's still on the throne and he's completely completely in control so i don't know about you but i'm going to choose joy and it is a choice isn't it i mean i can choose to get whiny and down in the dumps and afraid and fearful but joy is a choice god's made it possible he's given it to us we just got to reach out and take that choose joy philippians chapter 1 last week we went through verse 11 so we'll pick up today in verse number 12 philippians chapter 1 verse 12 says this paul says i want you to know my dear brothers and sisters that everything that's happened to me here now where's here He's in prison. Everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. It's helped to spread the gospel. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is precious. It's wonderful words of life. And Lord, these very words that you allowed this man and Paul to write under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit to encourage the church at Philippi, it can encourage a guy like me even in 2020 in a worldwide pandemic. So Lord, use your word today to encourage us, to let us experience the joy of Jesus because we worship together today and it's in his name we pray. 
Amen and amen. Well, my airline family, you were emailed a copy of the outline. I hope you printed that out. But if not, no worries. You can just write this down. Or if you do like my son, he takes notes on his phone. I want you to take some notes, and that way it helps you remember it a little bit better, and you can go back and check and see if what I'm telling you is accurate to the truth of what the Bible says. Write this down. Number one, God wants us to praise through our problems. God wants us to praise through our problems. Remember, this guy was in jail. This guy had been shipwrecked, snake-bitten, all these things, and he's just praising the Lord as he's writing there to them. I don't know about you, but listen, here's my humanity. If I'm in jail, I'm probably just thinking of a way to get out of there. What can I do? Who can I call to help me come up with the bail money? Whatever it takes to get out of here. Oh, no, not Paul. He used even being in jail as an opportunity to live out and express the joy of the Lord. It's been said that we're never more like Jesus than we are when we're suffering. Well, it's easy to praise the Lord when you got a great job and those of you have a six-figure income and plenty of money in your retirement account and rather than it decreasing as they are right now, it's increasing. It's easy to have joy like that. But how about in the uncertain times? When you and I have a smile on our face, we were talking to one of our neighbors we were walking last night about everybody wearing masks in public. She said, I try to smile at everybody I see in the grocery store. And she said, they don't smile back, but then again, they can't see me smiling. But when they can see that, that sparkle in your eyes, and they know things are bad, and you still got the joy of the Lord, that is a great testimony right there. When we praise the Lord through our problems, there are two things that happen. Letter A, write this down. You can rest rescue unbelievers. We can rescue those that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. We cannot rescue anybody. We can't make anybody get saved, but we've got the answer, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we praise the Lord, even in the midst of the storms of life, people will notice that, and it gives us an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Look at verse 12, the second part of verse 12. Paul said, everything that's happened to me here in prison has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, I mean, he says everybody, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. There is purpose in every pain. God never wastes a hurt. Whatever you're going through right now, child of God, he's promised us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 that he'll use all things, the good, the bad, the uncertain, and the ugly. He'll allow all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God never wastes a hurt. When you're faithful, when you praise him through the storms of life, people will notice that. Those those guards there that were chained to him while he was in prison, he didn't just look at those jokers as guards or enemies. You know what he looked at them as? They were prospects. They were prospects for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can only imagine when they'd have the shift change and one guard would get off and the next guard would come in. Paul just saying, praise God, here's another one. I get to tell about you, Jesus. When we praise him through the storms of life, God can use that to rescue people. The first person I ever led to Christ, I should be embarrassed to tell you this. I was saved as a high school freshman and spent a period of time backslidden. The first time I ever led anybody to Christ, I was a college student at the University of Georgia, and it was in the Clark County Jail in Athens, Georgia. And I know what some of you are thinking. No, I was not an inmate. I wasn't arrested. I went there for a jail ministry once a week, and we shared the gospel with the people there. There were There's nothing else to do. We just walk through and say, anybody need a Bible? Who wants a Bible? That was the way we got their attention. And you have a, literally, you have a captive audience to share the gospel. We saw much fruit in that jail ministry there. 
The tables were turned for Paul. He was the prisoner, but he was sharing the gospel with the guards there. And every one of those guards heard about this man, Saul. He was Saul the persecutor who hunted down and persecuted and killed Christians. He was able to tell them how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and how God transformed his life. He was able to tell them all the miracles that he'd seen, all the awesome things that he'd seen the Lord do. And so even God even used Paul's imprisonment to shake the foundation right at the heart of secular political power in Rome. The scripture tells us this right here. Some, so some of the soldiers did get saved. As this pandemic, this plague, if you will, has gotten most everybody stuck at home. Not a whole lot of people can get out and, and go to work. We don't, we don't even go in the grocery store. We order our groceries and we go and we pick them up there. I come to church and film our sermons and I go get my allergy shots. That's the only time I'm out every week. But when we're out and about or when we're stuck at home, either way we can be a witness for Jesus. If you watched our Wednesday night Bible study with our student pastor, Andrew Fogarty, he challenged us in that area. Even right now, we can still be a witness for Jesus. You're at home. You've seen, if you've been following our church website, some of our church members and staff were posting devotions every day around lunchtime. You don't have to just do that on the airline Facebook page. You can record your own personal testimony or just a little devotion about how God's bringing you and your family through this storm, and you put it on the World Wide Web. WWW stands for World Wide Web. You literally get the message out everywhere. I'm amazed by that. The other night... I just tell the truth. My wife had cut my hair. I hadn't even had a shower yet. I had on a nasty T-shirt. And I just wanted to make a little, a little video for our church family to let them know where we are now that our governor has said churches can meet and why we don't feel comfortable doing that. I just thought I was talking to my church family. That thing got shared all over the place. And a lady in Lizella, Georgia, who knows where Lizella, Georgia is? She admitted she's out of church, but she loved just that little video. She said, I'm going to be a part of your church every Sunday on the web. One of our senior adult ladies, Miss Brenda, saw that on the internet. She reached out to that lady and said, if we're going to be your church, do you mind if I tell my senior ladies about you? And every one of them will pray for you by name. You see the strength of the World Wide Web? We're reaching more people in a pandemic than we normally did. You record your testimony, type it out, write it on there, and spread the good news of the gospel. People are hungry. People are hurting. I shared with you early on in this pandemic how, by the grace of God, he allowed me to lead a, a distant cousin to Jesus there just through, through Facebook. And he called me up, and I got to lead him to Christ. And he went to his church, and his pastor there in South Georgia baptized him. Talked to another pastor here in town today, and he was telling me that in one of their Sunday night life groups, they had a young man profess faith in Jesus. So listen, yeah, times are bad, but we can have joy, and God may use that joy to help us point other people to him. In Philippians chapter 4 that we'll get to in a number of weeks, Paul says this. You say, how can you say, preacher, that he, he touched people in places of authority in Roman government? Here's why. Philippians 4.21. He says, give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus, the brothers, that means they're Christians, the brothers who are with me send you their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too. Check out this phrase right here. Especially, especially those in Caesar's 
household. In the ruler's household, there were people who came to faith in Jesus because Paul praised him even in the difficulties. So let's stop whining. Let's stop complaining about what we can and cannot do. And let's use this opportunity to get the gospel out. God may allow you to point some people to Jesus and rescue unbelievers. You know what else it will do? Write this down, letter B. It will strengthen believers. You having joy in the midst of uncertain times will encourage and strengthen believers in Jesus. Look at Verse 14 of Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, Because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Now listen, we are, we're the pastors, you expect this from us. But I think having these devotions online every day from different church members, just businessmen and women, young couples, young moms, Heidi this week, eight months pregnant, sharing about her struggles and how God's given her peace. When other believers share their testimony, it encourages other believers. And they say, hey, if that guy can get on the internet and brag on Jesus, I can do that too. Paul encouraged the believers there. Have you ever had, as if you're already a Christian, have you ever had somebody try to witness to you in public? They don't know you, and they start to share the gospel with you. I have a few times, and I'm telling you, it pumps me up. I don't tell them I'm a Christian. I sure don't tell them I'm a preacher. I just let them talk because it blesses me. Then I do after that. When somebody shares with me, it just reminds me, Mike, you're supposed to be sharing more faithfully with other people too. So sometimes difficult times like we're living in, well, that's, that's fertile ground for God to shake us out of our apathy and indifference and our spiritual lethargy. It's been said that the blood of martyrs is often seeds of evangelism, seeds of the gospel. In 1956, and no, I was not born then, but in 1956, Life magazine, before we had internet and looking at the computer, people actually subscribed to magazine subscriptions. Life magazine was widely circulated. On the cover of a magazine in 1956, they, they pictured five young couples that God placed it on their heart to reach an unreached people group, the Aka Indians in Ecuador. Life magazine featured this. And you know the story. The five men of those couples, as they were trying to develop a relationship and point these people to Jesus, they were murdered by those Indians there. Perhaps you saw that movie. I think the name of the movie was End of the Sphere that featured Jim Elliott and those couples. It was missionary Jim Elliott that said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know what happened after Life magazine featured that? Lots of people started getting saved. God put on the hearts of other people that were inspired and motivated by these men who gave their lives for the gospel. Others started answering God's call to missions and ministry. Perhaps God will use this plague. Perhaps God will use this pandemic to shake us out of our lethargy and motivate us to live out the joy of the Lord and share the gospel with other people. And so when I'm focused on other people, when I'm focused on reaching other people, encouraging, uh, encouraging believers and witnessing to the lost, I'm too busy to focus on me. I'm too busy to focus on the fact that I can't take my wife on a vacation right now. I'm too busy focusing on others. I don't think about the fact that I sure would like to go out to Outback Steakhouse for a date night or something like that. No, let's get our focus on Jesus and on other people. I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose joy. Write this down, number two. God wants our motives to be pure. Paul encourages the church at Philippi, let's make sure our heart's right and our motives are pure. Look at verse 15. Paul says it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, 
but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others, they don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message is about Christ is being preached either way. So I'll rejoice and I'll continue to rejoice. He's saying those hypocrites, those phonies that are preaching for selfish gain, if it gets the gospel out in spite of their impure motives, Paul said, I'll rejoice in that. Verse 19, for I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. He's talking about motive. Why do you do what you do? Listen, I'm telling you, these men that are back here in this sound booth setting up these cameras and helping us do, it's not because they're bored and they had nothing to do. These are men that love Jesus. These are men that are every bit as important as it's me standing here preaching today. Were it not for them, I could not do that. You know why they do that? Because they love Jesus and they care about you. They care about those that are watching. They care about those that do not know the Lord. Paul says, beware of petty jealousy. Local pastor, um, Brian Hall called me this morning just to kind of check on me. He's the pastor down at Chestnut Mountain. And boy, it just blessed my heart to hear how God's blessing them, even as they worship in quarantine, how they had people saved through that. That didn't make me jealous. That made my heart rejoice. When, when God blesses another church here in the area, that ought to bless every believer. When the body of Christ is strengthened, we all benefit from that. My pastor, who was, he was my pastor in Lynchburg, Virginia, Wayne McCraw, and I'm humble. Pastor Wayne and Miss Doris tell me they've been watching our church services there in Virginia. Pastor McCraw used to always say, guys, if a dog barks Jesus, give him a bone. That's what Paul's saying. Regardless of somebody's motive, if it's getting the gospel out, don't be jealous of that. If a dog barks Jesus, give him a bone. We don't serve the Lord to make ourselves look better. We don't serve the Lord to make Airline Baptist Church look better. We don't serve the Lord to compare how many viewers we had versus how many another church had. That is a bunch of flesh right there. We do what we do to bring honor and glory to Jesus. And something else Pastor McCraw used to tell us, when God gets the glory we get the gravy. When God gets the glory, we get the gravy. And in this context of joy, the, the, the gravy to me is joy. When God gets the glory, I get to experience his joy in my life. So if we're going to triumph over troubles, that's the title of this week's message. If we're going to triumph over troubles, we got to praise the Lord through our problems. we got to keep our motives pure. And number three, write this down. God wants us to live and to die for his glory. God wants us to live, I should say, and be willing to die for his glory. Whatever, whatever it takes. How you doing? Or is what you're doing yielding joy? If I'm dying, God forbid, if I get the COVID-19 virus and I'm dying, how can that bring me joy? I'm telling you, as a child of God, it brings me joy because on everything I've preached about, everything i believe since I was a high school freshman and I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Listen, I don't want to leave my wife. I don't want to leave my, my mama, my stepmother, my kids, my church family. But I know the best is yet to come whenever that time comes for me. Look at verse 20 of Philippians 1. Paul says, I fully expect and hope that I'll never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. Not necessarily what it's like when you start, but want to be faithful to the finish line. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. So it's all about the motivation of your life. Why do you do what you do? Paul's sole desire was to preach the gospel. Paul's sole desire was to point people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in writing to the church at Galatia, Galatians 2.20, he says, My old self, 
that was Saul the persecutor. My old self's been crucified with Christ, nailed to the cross. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I got to crucify Mike. I got to crucify my own fleshly and worldly desires so that Jesus can live in and through me. Now listen, who wrote this? Paul. Was he writing this from some expensive Beverly Hills mansion or a cruise ship somewhere? No, the joker was in prison. And he says, no matter what, we can still have joy. We can still praise the Lord. In the ancient ruins there in the city of Carthage, they found some inscription of some Roman soldiers. And it said this, to laugh, to hunt, to bathe, to game, that's life. Those things are life. That's not much different from what people in America would say today, the things that bring people happiness. Some folks might say, for me to live is money, for me to live is luxury, for me to live is going on vacation, for some of you, for me to live is shopping, for me to live is to go out and party and get drunk, for me is the next, is the next joint that I can smoke, for me is, is having all the sexual immorality and pleasure I can. What motivates you to do what you could do? If you filled in that phrase, for me to live is what? Maybe it's your family. Listen, if we're not careful, even our families can be an idol in our life. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die would be even better. How do you want to be remembered? When you're gone, when, when, and listen, if the Lord doesn't come back in our lifetime, we all have an appointment with death. When people walk past your casket in a church or a funeral home somewhere, what do you want them to think about you? What do you want them to say about you? Listen, remember when Paul started preaching and he became radical for Jesus? They just threatened to kill him. And he said, that's all right, because to die is gain. And they said, we'll just let you live. Paul knew. Listen, over in the book of Revelation, John the Revelator says in Revelation 21 and verse 4, when we get to heaven, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. When I say the best is yet to come, I'm telling you that on good authority, on the authority of God's word. And they said, well, we ain't going to kill you. We'll just make you suffer. And I love what he says in Romans chapter 8, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us when we get to heaven. So do you get what I'm saying, y'all? No matter what, child of God, we win. We cannot lose. Our victory is secured in Jesus no matter what that ought to bring us great joy that brings us joy like nothing else can bring us joy back to our text here philippians chapter 1 and verse 22 he says but if i live i can do more fruitful work for christ so i really don't know which is better i'm torn between two desires and sometimes i am too the older i get the more family members i have in heaven the more my heart longs for heaven but boy, I still got a lot of people I want to reach. I want to see God do something from this hill with my church family. So I'm torn between the two like Paul. He said, I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Verse 24, but for your sakes, church at Philippi, he's saying, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced I'll remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, he planned to come back to him, you'll have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. Was he being a braggart? Uh-uh. He didn't say because of what Paul's doing. He said because of what Christ is doing through him. He could have joy because he had an eternal mindset. Even if he died in that prison cell, he had joy because he knew he would see Jesus. This earth is not our home. We're strangers. We're aliens. We're just passing through. 
Under that point, letter A, write this down. God wants us to live lives worthy of his name. He wants us to live lives worthy of his name. What do I mean by that? When you call yourself a Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T, the first six letters are the most important letters of that word. When you call yourself a Christian, you are identifying. You're saying, I'm a Christ follower. I'm one of his. Look at verse number 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, that's where we're going, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Here's the deal. We wear his name. When we call ourselves a Christian, I wear his name, the name above all names. In a world that's lost in hopelessness, y'all, we've been called to be the light because we wear his name. So we ought to do that in a way that brings glory to him. You know, and maybe this has gone on always and I just haven't noticed it, but I've noticed in recent years rival football teams. Like if somebody is a fan of the old nasty, slimy Florida Gators, they may put on a bulldog jersey and put in Bubba teeth and mess up their hair and go out and act like an idiot to shame the bulldogs. I've seen that in the political arena. People show up at political rallies and they wear the paraphernalia of the opposing candidate, but they'll make a scene there to shame them. You say, well, that's silly. Mm, Is it? Because that's what we do. When we wear the name of Jesus and I choose to disobey, I choose to live in sin, I choose not to have joy in my life, I am shaming his name. Letter B, God wants us to live in unity. God wants us to live in unity. Look at verse 27, the end of that. Paul says, then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I'll know you're standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Church, the church hadn't stopped meeting. We're just meeting in different locations. Airline, we're scattered all across northeast Georgia. Some of you who have joined with us in recent weeks from wherever you are, whether it's Russia or in Madrid or in Brazil, people have been watching from everywhere. If you're a child of God, we're part of the same family. Our purpose is the same, and it's to bring the Lord glory. He says, Paul says, live in unity if you're going to be a good testimony. I believe it was President Abraham Lincoln who said this, a house divided against itself cannot stand. When churches fuss and fight and split and backbite, then they're shocked when lost people don't want to come. They're shocked and people don't want to listen when we share the gospel because they've seen how we've been behaving. Paul says, no, you got to live in unity to have maximum impact for the gospel. Write this down, letter C. God wants us to live in confidence. God wants us to live in confidence. Do I have confidence in our president? Do I have confidence in our governor? Do I have confidence in, confidence in Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks that we see every day on the TV? Listen, I don't know. I want to. I want to believe them. But sometimes when you hear a, one scientist says one thing, another scientist says another thing, you drive yourself crazy listening to all that. If your confidence is not in the Lord, that's where our confidence lies. Look at verse 28. He says, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. That's our confidence. If, if, if this is the end of the world, if God raptures his church, I'm going to be all right. If the, if the economy just completely tanks and we all have to live off where we can grow in our backyard, I'm going to be all right because the best is yet to come. Here's what we've got to remember, folks. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities. I'm not talking about politicians. Keep reading with me. Of the unseen world. Not the ones we can see on TV or see in debates or we vote for. But authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. Against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know, it's crazy. Opinion polls tell us that a vast majority of Americans believe in angels. 
The same opinion polls will tell us the vast majority do not believe in demons. Listen, if you believe the whole book, if you believe in angels, you got to believe in demons. They're alive and well today. So your enemy is not that person that you think is trying to drive you crazy. Our enemy is not politicians who lie to us day after day. Our enemy is the devil. Well, that's what we have to recognize, and then I can live in confidence. If Paul could say that from a jail cell chained to a Russian soldier, what's your problem? Why are you going to be down in the mouth and negative all the time? Letter D, write this down. God wants us to be willing to suffer if necessary. God wants us to be willing to suffer if necessary. Before we started filming, I was talking to our student pastor. and He said, and this is true. It seems that many of the people that are complaining and say, we don't need to go back to work. People need to stay home. Most of the people saying that, they got a paycheck. But if you're a small business owner and you got kids to feed and you have no paycheck, Listen, that makes a difference in the way you look at things. But if we have to suffer in this time of plague and pandemic, if it brings glory to God, if my suffering lets somebody else see Jesus in me, then it's all worth it. Look at verse 29. For you've been given, Paul says, not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Do what? The privilege of suffering for him? You say, I didn't sign up for that. Listen, if the Lord Jesus suffered on an old rugged cross, if he let the children of Israel, his chosen people, live through plagues that God sent those plagues, by the way, to get their attention, why do you think we'd be exempt from that? It is a privilege to suffer for him, for we're in this struggle together. Paul says, you've seen my struggle in the past, and you know I'm still in the midst of it. How can suffering produce joy? When it brings God glory, that can bring us joy. Look at your conclusion there. Write this down. Number one, can you choose joy in all of life's circumstances? I'm not just talking about on a, a, a Disciple Now weekend or a great revival service. By the time you see this message, Lord willing, we would have had a drive-in concert with the Lefebvre Quartet if the weather allows us to do that. And it's easy to have joy in environments like that. And people expect us to. But when they stand up and take notice, we got joy in all of life's circumstances. Number two, write this down. Are you living with an, an eternal mindset? When you know the best is yet to come, when we know we're pilgrims passing through to heaven, we can handle whatever's going on right here because Paul says the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to what's waiting for us in heaven. Do you live with that eternal mindset? If not, that may be a reason you're lacking joy in your life because that brings joy. Number three, this is the most important thing anybody will ever ask you. Are you certain? Do you know beyond any doubt? Are you certain of your eternal destiny? You cannot have an eternal mindset if your eternity is not settled. John says in 1 John, he says, These things have I written in 1 John 5, 13, that you can know that you have eternal life. It is possible to know. If you don't know, if you're unsure, it's difficult to have joy when you're unsure if God's in control, when you're unsure if you're a child of God, because the promises of God's word are for his children. If you've never repented of your sins and made Jesus the Lord of your life, you cannot personalize these promises. Are you certain of your eternal destiny? You say, well, Mike, I don't know how to do that. It's so simple, it's ABC. A child can understand this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. We've all messed up, the Bible says. The letter A is we got to acknowledge that. God, I messed up. I'm undone apart from you. Acknowledge my sin. He says, but God proved his love toward us in Romans 5 eight, and that while we were yet sinners, while I was a sorry, low-down, stinking, selfish jerk, Jesus died on a cross for my sins anyway. 
And he says, you got to believe that. Do you believe Jesus died on that cross for your sins? They laid him in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he resurrected himself by his own power, and he's alive and well today. That's the B of our ABCs. You really believe that. And then C, you've got to commit your life to him. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, that's where that commitment takes place. I believe in my heart, and it makes a difference in the way that I live my life. And it's it's that simple as ABC for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You say, Mike, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven. My last question for you today, and we'll be done. Who are you cultivating to take to heaven with you? Who are you cultivating to take to heaven with you? Well, I can't, I'm not in class, I'm not in school, I'm not at work. You got a telephone, you got text, and you got internet, you got social media. We're to be cultivating relationships, as Pastor Andrew challenged us Wednesday night. We're to be cultivating relationships for Jesus. That gets the focus off me. That gets the focus off the uncertainty in the world that I'm living in. And I'm focused on bringing joy to Jesus by pointing other people to him, bringing glory to Jesus, and then joy to my own heart. I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose joy. Some days it's harder than others, is it not? Let's just be honest. Some days it's harder than others, but I want to always make the right choice. I'm going to choose joy because I've chosen Jesus, and I am secure in the palm of his hand. Romans 8 says, nothing will separate me from his love. Would you pray with me? You say, Mike, I don't know that. That sounds good to me, but I've never done that. It's so simple. Scripture says this. A child can understand that. If you say, I don't have that peace, Mike, I don't have that joy you're talking about. You just pray something like this from your heart to the Father. It's not about the words that you repeat of a preacher, but it's about your heart. If you really believe, say, God, I know that I've sinned. I know I've messed up. That's what sin is. Sin is missing God's standard. God's standard is perfection. So we've all sinned. Admit that to God. You really believe that he sent his only son, Jesus, who never, ever sinned. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. The Old Testament taught us that the sacrifice had to be spotless. Jesus is the only human who ever walked this earth who never sinned. He was 100% man, and he was 100% God. Only Jesus was uniquely qualified to pay the penalty for our sins. You believe that? Admit that to God. God, I believe that's who Jesus was. You really believe what we celebrate on Good Friday and Easter? They nailed him to an old rugged cross on that Friday, and on that resurrection morning, he raised himself from the dead. You really believe that? It's the most documented fact in all of human history, not just Scripture, but outside of Scripture in secular literature of a, of a carpenter from Nazareth who was crucified and came back to life. Eyewitnesses saw him when he came back to life. You really believe that? Say, God, I believe that. Ask him to adopt you into his family. Ask him to give you joy and purpose even in the time of greatest uncertainty. Thank him for saving you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, something like that from your heart, the Bible says there's a big old party going on in heaven. The angels in heaven rejoice when one person does that. I want you to know, Airline Baptist Church, we want to celebrate with you. Our church family, if you're watching from somewhere else, we want to celebrate with you. Send us an email or a message. Let us know, I just did that. I just gave my life to Jesus for the first time, and I meant it. We want to help you get, that's just the first step. We want to help you get started, right? You're saved, you're going to heaven, but then the Bible teaches we got to grow in our faith if you don't have a copy of god's word you need a bible message us we'll mail you a bible we'll send you some material to help you get started in the right direction but if you're one of 
those who say, Mike, I'm a Christian, but I've just been listening to the negative news of the world too much. I've lost my joy. Listen, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, we're taking our eyes off Jesus. We don't live for him. That's sin. He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Christian, maybe you just need to make a brand new commitment to his lordship today. You're not getting saved again. You're just going back to that point when you first believed. Our pastors met for some time, for several weeks. We prayed about a goal. What would God have us do at Airline Baptist Church in 2020? God laid on our heart. We want to see, we want to see 120 people added to Airline Baptist Church in 2020. Well, you may be thinking, well, y'all messed up. Y'all can't even have church together. Listen, people can still be saved and added to the God's church. You say, well, I live in this area. I know I'm a Christian, but I've been looking for a church family. How can I join your church? You send us an email or a text message. One of our pastors, we'd love to call you, reach out to you. We can make that possible. You can join our church and be a part of that 120 in 2020, even now. If you have prayer requests or other needs in your life, you message us. Thank you. We're honored that you worshiped with us today. All kind of worship services on the internet today. Thank you for worshiping with us. We at Airline love you, but don't you ever forget the one that loves you, the, the one that knows you the most is Jesus, and he's the one who loves you the best. God bless you. You have a week filled with joy.